You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. And welcome to 2023, at least in terms of Writer Than You, here on CBS Sports Radio, the free Odyssey app, Sirius XM Channel 158, and your phone lines at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. It is Andrew Bogish, it is Cell, and it is you over these next two hours here as we begin a new year of Writer Than You, plus year 11 of CBS Sports Radio. Now, there probably is some kind of time-space continuum, alternate universe, thread of time, remark, joke, metaphor Bill would have for him not being here on day one of the new year, coming off a weekend of football. But he's off today. He is off tomorrow. He's back here on Wednesday to get the show going in full gear here in this new year. But it's me and D-Cell and you for today and for tomorrow. We're happy, at least I am, happy to be here with you with a lot to do off some kind of football weekend. It is not ideal when the college football semifinals are on New Year's Eve. You might have missed some of the action or all of the action, prepping for festivities, hosting festivities. But boy, we finally got two good games. Never before happened. Second to last chance in this up to get it done And TCU, Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State delivered. And then an NFL Sunday, which was good, not great. The second to last weekend of the regular season, things decided. Some important things still undecided as we move towards the final Saturday and Sunday of the season. So there is a lot to get to over these next two hours. We'll do those college football playoffs now with Barrett Sully, our good friend from CBSSports.com, CBS HQ in this hour. Hour number two includes our other good friend, Ross Tucker, on all things NFL. And, of course, hour number two also includes and really headlined by your very first 2023 edition of Buy or Sell. There was a cliffhanger at the end of last year. Would it come back? Would D-Cell come back? Would he escape the burning building, a la your your favorite TV dramas Going into the offseason, what's going to happen? Who's going to be back? Who's going to survive? Everyone's here, well, except for Bill. Uh, but D-Cell's here, Buyer Cell is here, and as always, 11.20 a.m. Eastern. But very quickly, before we get to football, I've just got to say, because it really didn't dawn on me until I sat down here this morning, that this is another year of CBS Sports Radio. It's year 11. And for someone like me who has been here from the beginning, from the very first day, That's a shocking number. I still remember sitting in a conference room down the hallway on like December 23rd of 2012 in an HR meeting with Scott Farrell. And I think Doug Golly was in the building that day. The esteemed John Feinstein was on the phone. There were almost the entire staff was in this room going over everything. 
paperwork, how things were actually going to work on the air. And now fast forward through different shows, different time slots, different personnel. Here we are starting off year 11. And we all like to poo-poo this place because everybody complains about where they work. But it's been a remarkable 10-plus years for me personally, for me professionally. Uh, and I want to thank our multiple bosses who have continued to employ me here. Uh, and to everybody who has continued to listen and tweet and call and email, it is much appreciated by me and by everyone here in these hallways. Now, Diesel, very quickly, are you a day one employee or are you still in high school in 2012, 13? Uh, I appreciate you asking that. I am a day one employee. I was part time back on day one. Okay, so that half counts and half explains why I was not sure of your day one status. Yeah, why we weren't friends back then. Or still now. Right. Uh, so we're off and running in 2023. We'll get to college football in a second, but it's a Monday morning. And I thought about starting with Saturday because it was just so remarkable New Year's Eve and those two games in Georgia and in Arizona. But it's a Monday after an NFL Sunday. It's the second to last NFL Sunday. It gave us some clarity, but really left more confusion as we move towards Bengals-Bills tonight. And then two games Saturday, Chiefs-Raiders and then Jacksonville-Tennessee will be on Saturday. That's an ESPN-ABC doubleheader. We still don't know the Sunday rundown. Those games, those times apparently coming during or after the game tonight, it appears the most likely choice for next Sunday night, the final game of the regular season, is going to be Packers-Lions because that's going to be a simple, if Green Bay wins, they're in scenario. Everything else has multiple games connected to it, so they probably need to be played at the same time during Sunday. So Green Bay-Detroit seems to be the logical Sunday night game. Jacksonville-Tennessee is basically a win or in-game. It definitely is for Tennessee. The Jaguars can lose on Saturday at home, not win the AFC South, but get in as a wild card. That's not the easiest path for them. So that's your Saturday primetime game after Chiefs-Raiders. That game goes first on Saturday. I think maybe because the Raiders played themselves in a little more consideration yesterday, but more importantly for the Chiefs, their situation plays into seeding. So And it's kind of control your own destiny. So let them play, let them win or lose, and then the other top AFC teams know what they need to do when we get to Sunday. But where we are right now, sitting here with one game left for everybody, and I got to say, it's still odd to me to be writing down notes yesterday and looking at standings and seeing everybody have played 16 games, and we still have one more to go. Um, But that being said, we've gotten to week 18. We've gotten to the end. And somehow, the Steelers are still alive. The Packers are still alive. And the Buccaneers, who were not anywhere near in the same doubt as them in terms of their playoff fate, because as shaky as they had been, you had to assume they were going to find a way to win the NFC South. Even yesterday, when it was, what, 14-0, 21-10 Carolina, Maybe that was the first time you could have gotten remotely spooked about the Bucs. But they always had the safety net, the escape route of the crap NFC South that kind of saved their bacon this year. And then they rallied out of those holes yesterday. They win. They're the division champs. They're locked into the four seed. They're either hosting the Cowboys or the Eagles coming up uh, in that first weekend, depending on how the NFC East shakes out. But the Bucks very much alive. The Steelers, the Packers... Still a little bit alive. And let's start with Pittsburgh because 
here we are of last night. They win in Baltimore 16-13. They were 2-6. and six. Now they're 8-8. Eight and eight. It's the third time in their history, the second time under Mike Tomlin, that they've gone from 2-6 and six to 8-8. Eight and eight. Now, the caveat being this year, they've got one more game to decide their fate, and that one more game is against the Browns. If they win that one, and the Dolphins lose to the Bills, and the or the Dolphins lose to the Jets, excuse me, and the Patriots lose to the Bills, then Pittsburgh gets in. Green Bay, as I just said, simply put, they beat the Lions, presumably Sunday night, they're in. And there's, they create two teams, and in different ways, and different, I guess, levels of intrigue, create intriguing postseason foes for a high seed. In particular in the NFC, because... No matter what the first 17 games look like, you don't want to see Aaron Rodgers in the postseason. But someone, it appears, is going to see Aaron Rodgers in the postseason because they don't lose at home to the Lions. And the way they looked yesterday against a better team in Minnesota certainly bodes well for a fifth consecutive Green Bay win. They've gotten help basically for the last three straight weeks. Now they control their own destiny. So the Packers are sitting there and the Steelers are sitting there as teams that all of a sudden you kind of don't want to see two weekends from now, but you certainly might see them because that Pittsburgh road in is certainly doable. They can beat the Browns. The Dolphins don't know who their quarterback is going to be next weekend, so they could lose to anybody. And New England losing is not out of their own possibility either. So all of those things are out there for the Steelers to get in, and if they get in, they bring with them that stingy defense with some big names on it, and Minka Fitzpatrick makes the game-sealing INT last night. All along the way, Pittsburgh basically daring the Ravens and Huntley to throw the football, and they just did. I mean, that NBC was all over there showing you. They had six down line. They were playing, playing goal-line defense all over the field because they knew the Ravens wouldn't and couldn't throw it, kept them at 13 points, gave the offense a chance to find its rhythm, and it did enough to score the final 13 points of the game and get this win. And Kenny Pickett, the raw numbers last night aren't great. I think it was 15-27, to 27, under 170. But he was pretty damn good in that last drive, was he not? Two, three remarkable throws. The last one scrambling over a defender into Najee Harris, into the end zone on third and 10. It's a second straight week. They author a fourth-quarter go-ahead score to get a win, to keep themselves going. Pickett's not going to throw for 350 and three touchdowns, but it appears that he's got the ability to, if you let him hang around, he can beat you at the last possible minute. And then you throw on top of what Pittsburgh is on the field with those players, they've got Mike Tomlin, who remains my favorite head coach in all of football. If I had a team and I could hire a head coach and... The last, what, two weeks now, we've been kind of reassessing the Sean Payton price tag, what it would take to, for somebody else to hire him away from New Orleans because he's still with Saints property, so you got to give them something. And no matter which coach has changed hands recently, first-round pick or picks have always been involved, maybe some money as well. So the Saints might get a payday from somebody. I would basically pay a lot of things to get Mike Tomlin on my sideline. I just love the guy. And... It appears the Steelers love him too because, again, they were 2-6, and six and we thought maybe, okay, here's the one time where Mike Tomlin's magic is not going to work. Transition year, T.J. Watt's injury, Ben's gone, who's their quarterback? It doesn't really matter right now. It's a rookie or it's Trubisky, and they were 2-6. and six. And it was the first time in a long time where you had to wonder, 
what the future was for the head coach in Pittsburgh. Now, the concern was probably stronger on the outside, of course, but at least you could ask the question. And now they're 8-8, eight and eight, and they've got a chance to get in, and Tomlin has overseen this 6-2 and two spurt, negotiating Pickett back into a useful rookie quarterback, luckily for him staying healthy, staying on the field. And last night, they came up with a defense that didn't let the Ravens get anything going in a tough spot for them, still without Lamar Jackson, and they got themselves a win. And they're sitting here now, you know, a little bit dangerous. Am I going to pick them in round one if they get in as the seven seed and they got to go to a two seed, whether that's Buffalo or KC or Cincinnati? No, I'm not going to pick them in those games, but that's not going to be a fun game for whoever's got to see them. And then there's the Packers. And maybe the, the kind of, at least to me, the remarkable thing about their last month is it has not coincided with ridiculous Aaron Rodgers' production. In their last four games, in this four-game win streak, he's thrown four touchdowns. A single TD in all four games, just two picks, so he's not making mistakes, but they've used their running backs, and most significantly is they've remembered or decided to finally play defense. Back-to-back four takeaway games, they smothered the Vikings. That game was basically never close. Kirk Cousins was the worst Kirk Cousins you know, version of him with three picks and an interception. They got a kickoff return touchdown. The defense scored points yesterday, and you know it's always a debate of like where exactly do you see a coach's impact on the game? At some point, it's just the players. They got to they got to go out there and do things and make plays and do do their job. But you know, specific decisions matter, and the Packers made a decision to let Jair Alexander follow Jordan Jeff Justin Jefferson for the basically the entire game yesterday, and Justin Jefferson had one catch for 15 yards, and didn't have a catch when Alexander was the primary defender on him. And here's Green Bay now. They were at one point, I mean, they lost seven of eight games. They lost five in a row. They were useless. It was embarrassing. And now they're probably going to win out five in a row. It took some help up until now, but now it's just them beating the Lions on Sunday, and then they're in. And that two seed could be Philly. It could be San Francisco. And that's a winnable game for Green Bay. It's a winnable game. Not saying they're going to win it, but they got a better chance of, I just, I would not have to want a game plan for Aaron Rodgers in week one if I'm one of those teams. That's not the point of being a two seed and having a home playoff game is having to negotiate Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The only good news being you're not somehow finding yourself in Lambeau. But that's not who your wild card opponent is supposed to be after you've won 11, 12, 13 games. The gift is not supposed to be Aaron Rodgers walking into your building with confidence and the team as a whole going in the right direction. But teams have opened the door for this to happen in Green Bay and in Pittsburgh, and the Steelers and the Packers have charged through those doors, and they have arrived in Week 18 with a chance to get in when a couple of weeks ago no one really thought it was possible. And I think in particular in Green Bay's case, getting in and then being a nuisance for somebody in that very first weekend. And then there are the Bucks. And again, we knew they were going to be in. And one of the last times I was sitting in this chair with D. Sell, and maybe even with Ross Tucker, definitely with an NFL guest, D. Sell and I went back and forth on it. We asked the guest as well, what do we make about the Buccaneers? Once they're in, is it, oh, man, it's Brady, it's the postseason, anything can happen? Or is it more likely 
all of the warts we've seen during the regular season makes us a quick exit. And I was praying for quick exit. Whoever we asked that day said a quick exit. But now I'm not, I don't know because the offensive line issues are still there. There's no doubt about that. And they still fell, fell behind 14-0 and 21-10 to Sam Darnold yesterday. But they remembered how to score points outside of a two-minute drill. I mean, that's been their one saving grace is when they've gone no huddle, they've actually been useful on offense. Yesterday they were useful on offense before that because Tom Brady and Mike Evans met again, reintroduced. It was like a divorce couple getting back together. Three ridiculously long touchdown passes. It was, what, 11 games since Evans' last touchdown? He catches three yesterday. Now, personally, I could have used one to Chris Godwin, but that's just for me. Three touchdowns for Mike Evans. They win going away. Brady scores on a sneak. And in one three-and-a-half-hour window on a Sunday afternoon, at least for me and my fears of more Tom Brady January-slash-February success, you know, the fears are slightly reinvigorated that the Bucks maybe finally in Week 17 have figured out the way to be the best possible Bucks, And, you know, they're going to host somebody. It's probably going to be Dallas. It could be Philadelphia. It's going to be an NFC East team. Whoever finishes second in the NFC East, just the way things are shaking out. And don't forget, Philly maybe has Jalen Hurts back, but probably more importantly for them this weekend, they're playing a Giants team that can't go anywhere. The Giants clinched yesterday their spot for the first time since 2016, but they can really only be the sixth seed, so they're probably going to Minnesota. The game means nothing to the Giants on Sunday, so you'd have to assume you're not getting a full complement of all the Giants' best players, in particular Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, maybe none of them, maybe none of them, maybe a quarter, maybe a series, maybe it look like a preseason game, but you're not getting the full Giants effect, whatever that is these days. These days, but it's just not playing a full-strength opponent. So Philly, Hurts or Minshew should win that game and then clinch that one seed, sending Dallas to Tampa Bay. And this is more fear than logic or objectivity, but if the Bucs remember how to be good on offense yesterday, Dallas goes down there and Dak keeps throwing picks and Brady does it and he and Evans stay in love, Am I getting Tampa Bay in week two of the postseason? And as long as they're alive and 12 is their quarterback, everything remains on the table. And even the universe seems to love TB12. So best case scenario was them not getting in. But that never seemed plausible in the NFC South. And here we are, they're in. And yesterday has brought up for me some fears, for others maybe some confidence in what the Buccaneers can do. All of those questions with Ross Tucker to kick off hour number two this morning. When we come back, we'll shift gears. We'll do some college football. Epic semifinals on Saturday. So much to go through with Barrett Salee. He's next, brighter than you, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Welcome back. It's the brand new year of Writer Than You here on CBS Sports Radio. Andrew Bogish in for Bill Ryder on this Monday. We are two days removed from the best college football playoff semifinal day ever. Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Michigan. We talk about all those now with the one and only Barrett Salee of CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ, all the CBS Sports properties. Barrett, it's Andrew. Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, Andrew. Not going to lie, um, still recovering from the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, and the Peach Bowl particularly. I got home from the stadium, and I don't live that far, at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> so I, I, I saw your videos from the sideline, you know, your personal shots, your the game, fo- the official kind of TV footage as well. Walk me through the emotions of that game, when you thought Georgia was done, when you thought Georgia was back alive, and then the missed field goal to end the whole thing. So I actually thought Georgia was done uh, pretty early because Ohio State had the ball. They were up 21-17, or 21-7, I'm sorry, and it just kind of felt like Georgia was on the brink. And I think that – if Ohio State had gone down and, and scored a touchdown, it would have been over. And Georgia held them. They went down. They scored a touchdown to make <clears throat> to make it 21-14 and, you know, kept, kept themselves in the game. I thought Ohio State was done when the field goal landed <laughs> in a different zip code from the actual field goal goalpost um, because I thought that after C.J. Stroud had that long run, uh, that, you know, Ruggles is a great kicker. There's no way he's going to miss. And if he does miss, it'll uh, shock everybody. And I didn't think that uh, that it would go that far right. right. But, I mean, it, it's just bizarre. Ohio State, kicked, they, he kicked that ball in 2022 and it landed in 2023, which is the most bizarre and unbelievable stat of, of a game that had plenty of bizarre and unbelievable stats. Yeah, I just retweeted again this morning – there's like a, a four, a quad box that's been bouncing around Twitter of two game fail, three game shots and the ABC New Year's Eve countdown. And you're watching all of these things happen. And you're right. The kicks in the air before midnight. And then at 1201, you know, 12 and one second, Kirby's dancing on the field, celebrating the miss and the win. It's just, it was mind blowing that night. Unbelievable. And honestly, like, because, Two great semifinals are essentially a unicorn in the world of college football. Yeah. I guess it's appropriate that the the, the greatest semifinal day in, in the sports history culminates with one of the most bizarre and entertaining stats we've ever seen. So in the aftermath now, did Georgia get exposed and your word against TCU, or did Georgia get a wake-up call and we'll go back to being Georgia against TCU two mo- next Monday night? I think they – I wouldn't – I don't know if they got exposed. I think the weakness that we kind of saw against LSU kind of solidified itself. And, you know, Garrett Nussmeyer threw all over them in the SEC championship game. Now, granted, it was garbage time, but still, Kirby doesn't care. Kirby gets really angry when 
when that happens. And, and C.J. Stroud did the same thing. Now, granted, TCU doesn't have the kind of depth at, and versatility at wide receiver as Ohio State and certainly doesn't have the best wide receiver in college football. But Quentin Johnson's pretty darn close. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's that concern. I think with that said, it's Georgia's not going to play that bad on the defensive front. And, and they didn't play horrible, but, you know, Ohio State, especially uh, with DeWan Jones and Paris Johnson, they had a little bit of success against that defensive front. We didn't really call Jalen Carter's name until the fourth quarter. And, you know <laughs> – I don't know if that's a product of just the the success and the, the talent on Ohio State's offensive line or if there's something else there. But I think in the secondary, yeah, there's some concern um, because it, clearly the, the game plan from Will Muschamp was to not give up the big plays, and yet they still gave up the big plays. All right, before we leave this game, where did that C.J. Stroud performance come from? We've been waiting for it. Didn't know it could run like that. Why was Saturday the time it showed up? Because it was they had a month to prepare. Okay. And, you know, C.J. Stroud, he's had games like that passing. Uh, but he, you're right. He had not really had that kind of success running, even though like, we all knew he could do it. Like, that's the weird thing about Ohio State is that, you look at his stats, and it's like the dude's a statue back there, but he's not. You know, he clearly has the ability to run, and we all knew that. Um, I think the Georgia got kind of sh- – uh, it got shaken up a little bit when they saw part of the game plan where C.J. Stroud was, was using his luck, and yet they probably should have saw that coming because Travion Henderson wasn't there. And then earlier in the week, you know, Mayan Williams – was removed from the full media day when every player is supposed to be required to attend because he had a stomach bug. So, you know, I think Georgia should have realized that, hey, you know what, they're going to have a, a an athletic wide receiver, granted an athletic wide receiver, but still somebody who's not necessarily accustomed to being a running back as one of the two primary running backs. So you probably should think that CJ is going to use his legs because Kirby recruited him and knows what he's capable of. So, um yeah, I, I think it was actually a, an, a, an eye-opening game for Stroud in the sense that he hadn't done that all year, but he he does have that in his arsenal, and we've sort of known that for two years. Barrett Salih, CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ with us here, Writer Than You, on this Monday morning. So we get to TCU in Michigan. Um, for those not as fully entrenched in the game as you, Put into context the Horn Frogs getting to the semifinals and then beating up Michigan the way they did over the weekend. Well, it's the team of destiny. And really in the national championship hunt, we haven't had that in the playoff era. And actually we did have that in the last year of the BCS era with Florida State and Auburn. That was the year Auburn had to kick six and the miracle at Jordan Hare and played you know, a ton of close games and all that stuff. That's what this was comparable to. The TCU was a 250-to-1 favorite to win the national championship who are tied 258 to one odds uh, that is unheard of so in that sense it's the team in that sense it's the team of destiny it's the miracle team all that other stuff uh, and on top of that you had Sonny Dykes taking over for Gary Patterson who I think we all considered one of the best coaches in college football for a long time but for the last couple of years you couldn't really say that and 
So you kind of thought it was a broken program that was going to take a little while to get back to, you know, where, where it was and where it can be. Uh, that's the kind of season they've had. And on top of that, they've done it in so many different ways, from total domination to getting its tail kicked in and then figuring out things in the second half to, you know, playing winning with defense, winning with offense, you know, every single possible way. Um, and, and in that one specifically, TCU showed just how versatile it can be offensively because, you know, it lost Henry Miller in the game, so they had to figure out how to run. UMax Duggan could do it, but his statistics weren't all that great. You had two pick sixes. You have controlled the line of scrimmage. You had Jim Harbaugh flustered. Um, you know, so and, and you took advantage of Jim Harbaugh thinking he's the smartest man in the room, and that was clear with, um, you know, with that fourth down call. I didn't mind going, him going for fourth down, but you don't run, you know, the reverse pass in the first quarter when you know you might have to use that in, you know, in a two-point situation later in the game. So it, it had everything. That game had literally everything all the way down to bad calls. Yeah. <laughs> that that could have changed the outcome of games. It was it was wild, but I think for TCU, that's just kind of how they live. So I guess it was appropriate. You got to Harbaugh before I did. Um, second straight year, they beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten, get to the semifinal, don't win it. It's what six straight bowl losses for this program. Is there one thing you can put your finger on to explain all of that? I mean, is it possible that the the extra time? is actually not good for Michigan. What do you make of their struggles here at the finish line the last couple of years? Time is not good for Michigan. I think that's fair to say after what we saw, um, and, and for two different ways, right? Um, I think the this past Saturday, it was the fact, like I said, it gave Harbaugh a chance to prove that he's the smartest man in, in the room, and all coaches think that, and a lot of times coaches fail and realize that they're not, and Harbaugh's not, and I think – um, that showed, especially with that, like I said, the two-point convert or the the, uh, the the Philly special. Although I hate calling it the Philly <laughs> special because they didn't invent it, and it's been a part of every team's playbook for a long time. Um, but you know, calling that play on the first drive on fourth and one, like you have the Joe Mora winning, Mora winning uh, offensive line. You've got Donovan Edwards. Like, dude, just run the ball. Like, this is not rocket science. Um, you know, so I think the time and. You know, the time for Harbaugh to kind of prove that he's smart hurts. Um, and, and then going back to the semifinal last year, the quarterback development hurts or lack thereof. You know, last year, obviously, it was Kate McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, that sort of rotation he used. Uh, this year, it, you should have built off of J.J. McCarthy's success, and it, it didn't seem like he did. And, and maybe it kind of goes back to the game against Ohio State for McCarthy kind of being smoke and mirrors. And so I think you kind of can cherry pick, you know, little things here and there that show that Harbaugh's not as, as good of a college coach as, as a lot of people think. And, and I think that had kind of become apparent, but they hadn't really played in big games. And then now you see that in big games, some of those same mistakes, some of those same character traits um, haven't changed all that much. Barrett, last thing, what's the early call on TCU Georgia? Uh, I think Georgia wins. I think Georgia covers. I would never, ever bet on that game. Like, there is <laughs> zero chance. I wouldn't bet on it with your money, Andrew, not going to lie. Because what we've seen from TCU, team of destiny. Like I said, Auburn, Florida State. Auburn almost won that game. Um, you know, you can't count out TCU ever. We've seen that this season. So, I think Georgia wins. I think Georgia covers. But the way TCU plays and the fact that it's a 13-point game and not a 14-point spread – 
leads me to believe backdoor covers in this as well. Uh, so all of those things lead me to believe don't ever bet on this game, but I do think Georgia wins and Georgia covers reluctantly picking, <laughs> picking Georgia to cover. Yeah. Um, long story short, I have to bet on this game with my money in the form of beers around the office. So the the sentence of I wouldn't bet on this game is not good for me because I I I don't have no idea how to handle this one with seven days to go. But I'm gonna I gotta, I gotta make some decision by next Monday morning. If, if we're talking about beer, I want to get in on the action to, action too, just because <laughs> I like beer. Yeah. So um, count me in for Georgia minus thirteen. Although, um, like I said, if I lose, I might drink a lot of those. Uh, I might not get those beers to who deserves them and then drink them myself. <laughs> uh, last time we spoke, uh, spoke, I was worried about Jacob Degrom going to your Braves. So at least I've got that going for me at the moment that he's in Texas, Barrett. <laughs> All right, Barry. Well, you know, little, little, little old mate thinking they matter. Exactly. Money to lose to the Braves. <laughs> All right, Barry. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks as always. Uh, that's Barrett Salee, CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ, and one of the more popular guests. Uh, and speaking, you know, as we kick off hour number 11, if we were to make a list of appearances by guests on this network, Barrett might be a top 10 guest in terms of just straight appearances, even before the quality of those spots. He's been all over this place uh, basically from day one, as has Ross Tucker. He's an hour number two right now, though, a CBS Sports Radio update from Greg Caserta. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. This NFL postseason, every Westwood One NFL broadcast streams live for free. The wild card round, the divisional round, the AFC and NFC championship games, the Pro Bowl games, and Super Bowl 57. Catch all the action on the Odyssey app on westwoodonesports.com via Westwood One Station streams or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports. It's all sponsored by AutoZone, free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes AutoZone America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Andrew Bogish back with you here as we kick off 2023 on Writer Than You. Without Bill Ryder, he is back in the main chair on Wednesday. Of course, Tom DeCelestino is here. I'm going to assume that he is starting off the new year on a new foot by being happy that it's me and him alone on the show today, which was not the case in 2022. But fingers crossed, through Christmas and Hanukkah and the new year, we're all back to being best friends, clean slate, bygones or bygones, and away we go in just pure happiness. Bogus, it's my top New Year's resolution to be more friendly and have a strong friendship with you for the entire calendar year. That sounds really believable. Now, that's it's day one. Yeah. It's got to be believable. So that's specific to me. That's yes. not, not yes. you just trying to be no, more no. friendly in general. No, I'm not trying to make more friends. I'm okay. not trying to, you know, give people directions out uh, uh, out okay. in public on the street. Just Andrew Bogish. Well, I'm honored, and I hope to reciprocate. Uh, I did realize, I did text the group, uh, Merry Christmas, I didn't really do any Happy New Year texts yesterday. And at the end of the day, somebody else texted me. And I'm like, oh, right. It's New Year. Like, something just was off. Like, I, Christmas, I was like, all right, I got to sit down. Got to send some Christmas texts. Like, I, I scheduled it. It never really crossed my mind to go down the list again to Happy New Year, people. And now that I think about it, I didn't get a lot either. So maybe there is something wrong with me, So Maybe you're not alone last year in disliking me. Yeah, I know this will surprise you. I didn't send any Merry Christmas texts, and I didn't send any Happy New Year's texts. Like, whoever I need to see you on saw. those days, I saw, and okay. I told them that in person. Gotcha. Now, New Year's Eve, it's not the best setup. It doesn't happen every year, thankfully. It's not going to happen next year. But New Year's Eve was the day for the college football semifinals this year. We just discussed them both with Barrett Salee, and we head now towards Georgia and TCU a week from today. That game's out at SoFi. It's two days old, but it still remains remarkable to me that this is the first time that we got two good semifinals. I think this is year nine. We've got one more of this setup, and then 2024 becomes the first 12-team college football playoff. The two games on Saturday, Georgia surviving Ohio State and TCU thumping Michigan and holding on late, 179 combined points, almost 21 yards of combined offense. As Barrett pointed out, it took Georgia two years to win. And again, I I, I sent it back out this morning. If you haven't seen it, it's in my Twitter feed, at Andrew Bogish. There's an amazing quad box. The top left-hand corner is the ABC, Dick Clark, Ryan Seacrest, New Year's Eve coverage. The other three boxes are variations of ESPN's megacast coverage of the game. So you're watching the official countdown to midnight as Noah Ruggles is getting ready for what is a game-winning or game-losing field goal, and it's 5-4-3, foot-to-ball, 
ball misses, one happy new year, George's party. It's just, if it if it happened in a movie, you'd go, this is the dumbest thing ever. This would never happen. This is why Hollywood sucks in sports because I, nine out of 10 sports movies are terrible because they're over dramatic, dramatized, dramatized. One of those is the correct word, I think. They're over dramatic. And sports is pretty ridiculous on its own. It doesn't need the Hollywood filter, but it often does. It gets annoying, at least to me. Had I watched a movie like that, I'd go, the possibility of this remarkable game, following a remarkable game, ending as the clock struck midnight in the East, could never happen. But it happened Saturday. And it capped off the largest fourth quarter comeback in CFP history. It was 38-24 through three Ohio State winning. Stetson Bennett gets crushed by his head coach post-game in celebration mode. Kirby's like, yeah, great final drive, but the rest of it kind of stunk, and he needs to be better if we're going to win next Monday. C.J. Stroud was amazing. And like Barrett Salise said, when he runs for 27, 28 yards in that last drive, the, the camera cuts to Stetson Bennett, and even he flips his like play calling for spin in the air. He goes, "That's oh, it's over. The game's over. Like, to me, at that point, the field goal was immaterial. Ohio State was going to win with the kick. The kick ends up being 50 yards. It's in Ruggles' range, in theory, and he has a terrible singular moment, misses by basically the entire width of the stadium. And that comes off a of TCU walking into the desert and just beating the you-know-what out of Michigan. And we've done this all year long on TCU, giving them no credit, even the committee. When you go back to the first rankings, you know, this is not a complete team. They are playing with danger, barely winning games, nine different ways to win. Are they really that good? And they were remarkable. Now, the game was close late. You can say there were things in that game that are not necessarily repeatable week to week. You know, you're not going to have pick sixes, two pick sixes in one game. But, I mean, they just went at Michigan. And... With all due respect to the Horn Frogs, we've got seven more days to gloss them. We've got a whole other week to go through how amazing this is. They've got a chance to win their first national title since 1938. And to finish the season, the story would be great. Sonny Dykes taking over for Gary Patterson, program icon. There's a stadium outside the building of Gary Patterson. He takes over. No one has any expectations. They just keep winning. They keep winning. They get into the postseason, into the playoff. And then they beat the you-know-what again out of Michigan. And they could very well win the national title on Monday. We can get to that. For now, my lingering takeaway of the entire day from both games is Michigan. And what we discussed with Barrett to close out that interview last segment is what does this say about Jim Harbaugh as a head coach? I it They still might have lost. But a good part of me thinks that they win that game if they just call a regular play on that fourth and goal from the two. A regular play, run or pass, but just a regular play. Use their strengths and score points. I I think the whole game is different. But instead, as Barrett said, Jim Harbaugh needs to flex his Jim Harbaugh muscles. And they come up with just a terrible choice on that pitch and throwback that TCU, to their credit, defends perfectly. But the fact that it was called in the first place by Michigan was a bad sign. And the stop gave TCU momentum. McCarthy makes a bad throw. It's a pick six. They're in the end zone. 
and kind of away they go. And then Michigan doubles down too. Now, to me, that's a touchdown on the throw to the goal line. I know his butt's down, ball in his hands, but within a nanosecond, he's in the end zone. That, to me, is a touchdown. But still, not a touchdown. You're at the goal line. And instead of using your quarterback for a sneak, and as we heard all weekend long, don't forget, the rules now allow you to basically pick him up and throw him into the end zone. You could go that route. You could give it to an actual running back, but they give it to their fullback. Again, trying to be too cute and too smart and too hardball, and the dude fumbles and you get no points. And momentum continues to be with TCU. I, I, ju- I don't, and you know, the theories started bouncing around immediately Saturday night, all through yesterday. And I think everybody's right in that this month off between games helps a lot of schools. It's not good for Michigan. It allows them to, it gives them too much time to be Michigan, to be Harbaugh, and it leads to, you know, they coached and played that game early like they were TCU, like they were the team that's not supposed to be there, that they were Cinderella, that they were the heavy underdogs, that they needed to do cute stuff, crazy stuff, unforeseen stuff to steal that game. Instead of being the team that beat Ohio State, won the Big Ten, hadn't lost, they didn't stick to their strengths, they gambled, they didn't need to gamble, and it all backfired. It all backfired. The refs didn't help. Review didn't help. I thought that was a touchdown again. I also thought that's targeting. And I don't care if that happens in the first second or the last second of the game. That's targeting. It's got to be called. Who knows what happens after that? It's one more play. They probably still lose. But that's got to be targeting. And that's got to be one more play for them to maybe shoot themselves in the foot. But it's got to be called. And it wasn't. It was a bad night for the officials. A bad night for the booth. But it was a really bad night for Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. And they have significant questions to answer just about the direction of the program in terms of handling. Because they should be in this position basically year in and year out. In the Final Four, in the 12, playing these big games. And they can't keep laying duds like this. We're back in the NFL. Our good friend Ross Tucker kicks off Hour 2, Writer Than You, right after this on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 